Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. This is Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And our topic for this week's Movie Club, if you listened to last week's episode, you know is John Wick. Um, we'll be getting into John Wick in a little bit, but we're going to start off looking at um, some movies that just came out this weekend, uh, this past weekend, which is Friday the 13th was the official release date. Um, and then uh, movies that are coming out on the 20th, which is this coming Friday, um, we can talk about some of the expectations we have for them and um, letting you know what's coming. So, before we do that, Corey, how's it been this week? Cold. Cold? Still? <laughs> is it still snowing yes. up there? Um, every day that it's supposed to snow and it keeps not snowing. And there's a point where we would rather have fluffy snow than to be driving and walking on ice. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, yeah, we have... We had rain today, but it's uh, it's still in like the sixties and seventies. It's it's no longer cold. Um, it was cold three days last week, and now it's it's hot. So oh, well, no. maybe not hot, but it's definitely not cold. Um, yeah, but otherwise, you know, busy week at work. Um, I officially have uh, gotten my master's. Those of you who are listening, so uh, yes, yes, hold your applause. Thank you, thank you. Um, Woo! Hold on, though. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you know trying to push forward with all the different ideas I have has been a little stressful, but um, I do always find a little bit of solace in film. And so we'll start with movies that came out on the 13th. Um, I've already seen one of them because I, I went on the 12th uh, as many movies come out on Thursday night. Um, but uh, Patriot's Day is the film that my daughter and I went and saw Thursday night uh, starring Mark Wahlberg about um, JK Simmons, John Goodman, Kevin Bacon Um it's you know about the um, Boston Marathon bombing from 2013, um, based on a true story, directed by Peter Berg. So this is the third based on a true story movie that Mark Wahlberg's been a part of with Peter Berg. They did uh, Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon, um, but I I really I haven't seen Deepwater Horizon or Lone Survivor, um, but I really like Patriots Day. It's uh, my reviews already up on Burke Reviews of Patriots Day, but. Um, I liked it. My daughter liked it a lot. We both got choked up um, at the end, and uh, it's a s- sad story for sure. It was one, you know, I remember it happening, but I don't, I don't feel like I followed it very strong. But um, do you have any interest in Patriots Day, Corey? I believe that I only, mm, you know, my sense of time is horrible. But I think that I only saw the trailer for this like a week or two ago. Mm. I'm trying to remember what it was before. I like J.K. Simmons a lot. Um, I don't know if that's one I'm going to need to see in theater, but I don't know. I, it, I have to say, I mean, there's some, there's some definite things that I nitpicked. Um, some I'd heard from other reviewers and I, I went in with those, that information in my head. So I don't know if that's why it bothered me or if I would have noticed the same things, um, that I, I point out, but I still, I did give the not quite golden, um, rating as I, I enjoyed it. So, um, but nice. Wahlberg, uh, does do a pretty good job there's a few moments that he has some like the emotional crux of the film kind of falls on his shoulders and he he nails it i think um and simmons is great in this movie actually there's a lot in fact the the direction and the writing really flow very well and it's very respectful although they did use some actual footage um from security cameras and i believe from some iphones and it's hard to tell when you're seeing actual footage and and maybe mocked up footage um there's a couple of shots where i'm really hoping it looks like it's actual footage but there is some blood and some things that if it's real i wish they hadn't used 
um, mm. just for to, out of respect kind of thing. Like you can't make out whose phone it was. You can't see any faces or anything like that. But there is clearly um, aftermath of the bombing, and it's it's if it is from a, a, a camera phone, which is what it looks like, it's unnecessary, I think. But um, it's hard to tell because there is definitely security footage used. Um, even uh, there's moments where they they uh, cross cut with still images from photographs of different moments versus the clearly filmed thing where it's even you can tell that it's not the same person like you can see the real person and then the actor playing the person but it's it's very good and i won't we won't go into this much detail with other movies but i just happen to have seen this one um also out this weekend uh this past weekend sleepless uh starring jamie fox and ti um he plays it uh, looks like he's playing a dirty cop uh, a la training day um, Jamie Foxx and T.I., uh, but I think there's a catch based on the trailer that I've seen. I'm not going to say what I think it is, one, because I could be wrong, and two, it might be a spoiler if I'm right. So, um, But it does look, uh, it looks pretty entertaining. I, I'm, I really like the trailer. Um, there's a song, uh, something with enemies. It's, it's a rap song that I'm not familiar with, but I really like the, the way they cut the beat to the, the trailer. I really think it works. Doesn't mean the movie's going to be good, but the trailer did make me go like, hmm, I think I could watch this. Uh, it does not have um, the best reviews from what I've seen, but not the worst either. Um, have you seen tr- the trailer for Sleepless, Corey? No, I haven't. No problem. We'll just move on to the next one. Uh, also out this past weekend, um, everyone's most anticipated film, I think, of 2017 is Bye Bye Man. Um, yes! Now, I am, I am sad because everything I've seen for the Bye Bye Man has been pretty like bland and bad um for the most part uh oh it has a very low user score on imdb 3.6 really um, yeah and a 36 metacritic which isn't surprising really um i have heard from a few critics that i like that it's not as bad as it's getting the the overall arcing like it's not a horrible film where it's like blatantly cheesy but some of the dialogue is really bad and things like that um but like the look of the film and the style of the film and the reason i'm sad about it is not because i had high hopes for bye bye man but doug jones plays the bye bye man um and if you're familiar with doug jones's work uh he's um abe sabian in the uh hellboy movies and he is um oh uh he is pale face in pan's labyrinth um he works with Del-, del toro quite a bit uh he's a really great character actor he does a lot of um character work i mean he does a lot of costume work because he's tall and skinny and so he gets put into a lot of monster costumes he was on a uh, tnt show called um falling skies about aliens and he was one of the aliens in that like um he, he's a regular and he's the bye-bye man but apparently has no dialogue and uh his, his name is bye-bye man so you know those things just kind of uh i'm looking at his credits and um i kind of last time i i gave pan's labyrinth another try sometime last year and enjoyed it more than I initially had and um so I had kind of read a little bit about him but I didn't realize that he plays Edith's mother and Lady Sharp in Crimson Peak oh oh so I'm wondering that makes sense though because Del Toro again uses him and Ron Perlman yeah. quite a bit um but uh with Bye Bye Man we have another ex- uh highly anticipated film uh, Monster Trucks which <laughs> Uh, you know, these two films came out this weekend. It's not even counter-programming because I don't think many people are going to go see it. Although it does have a much higher Metacritic score. Um, well, much higher is generous. 43 and a 5.3 user score on IMDb, which makes sense um, because it's a family movie. It's meant for kids. It's a Nickelodeon film. So it's going to have its, it's, gonna have its uh, audience. Um, but 
uh, there are two more movies that came out this past Friday, and they're both not necessarily out. They're uh, 2016 films that just finally are getting wide release. Um, one is the Ben Affleck starring and Ben Affleck directed, um, and I think Ben Affleck written, Live by Night, um, which is his mobster movie set in uh, New Orleans. Um, wow. And uh, confirming that he did write it. Um, yeah, he co-wrote. Uh, it's based on a novel, I should say. He wrote the screenplay, but it's based on a novel. Um Elle Fanning's in it, Brendan Gleeson, um, Zoe Saldana. It's a, it's a pretty big cast. Um, from what I've heard from the reviewers that I'm a fan of from Slash Film, uh, it is mediocre at, to bad, depending on which reviewer you listen to. Um, its Metacritic score is 48. However, the user score is high at seventy at 7.1. Um, you know, it's it's I'm a fan of Affleck. I'm going to give it a chance. Um, I'm hoping to see it uh, soon and get a review up on the site for it. But... Um, it, it'll depend. Have you seen uh, the Live by Night trailer? Because how have you not seen these trailers? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I've been busy the last couple of weeks. I've been getting all my ducks in a row. But <laughs> I'm looking up. I'm just fired. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking this up. I had read a little bit about it. Um, but apparently it takes place in Balmy, Florida oh. during the Prohibition era. It says on IMDb. Oh, it does. That's weird. Everyone I've heard said uh, Louisiana. So my bad. Because he oh. looks like he's Louisiana, but you're right. The the IMDb description says Florida. Um, wow. And there's a reference should... to the KKK. I did not read this until just now. Um, I know. I didn't they know They do this. not allude to the KKK in the trailer, so I don't know where that comes in. But uh, I, I am going to see it. Hopefully it's at least entertaining. Um, if Slash Film, who I, I do agree with a lot of, not always, but I agree with a lot of their points of view, but they... they one said it was okay. Jeff Kanata and um, David Chen said it was bad, like outright bad. So, you know, I'm not saying they're the be all end all, and we don't agree on everything. But I am, you know, generally speaking, I we like similar things. So, I'm hoping that I can find some joy in it. However, I am slightly apprehensive. Um, and then the last movie that went wide this weekend again, it's been out for some time, um, just very limited release is Silence. Uh, the new Martin Scorsese film starring An- um, Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson. Um, it, it's one that I am desperate to see. It, it did not come to the mall like it was supposed to. Um, however, it is in Lakeland and Orlando, so I will most likely see it uh, Saturday or Sunday. Um, I might make a double feature on Sunday with Singing in the Rain, which is playing uh, as a cool. Fathom event, and um, Silence, if I can stand sitting in the movies for five hours. So, See how that goes. Um, Just but, don't think about it. Just do it. <laughs> well, Taylor <laughs> will be sitting with me, and that's where I really have to think about it because oh. she wants to see Singing in the Rain, and she's interested in Silence, but I don't know if she's really wanting to do a double. She will and won't complain about it, but I'll feel bad because it's, it's a lot of sitting. Um, it is. Not that I, we would be sitting and playing video games, probably if we weren't at the theater, so who knows. But um, that is the 13th. Now, we want to look ahead. What's coming out this week? What what can you go check out? Now, if you are an avid movie watcher, especially if you're a theater goer like I, I am, um, most movies come out the day before their release date. So if the release date's the 20th, you can usually go on the 19th. And I don't know about big cities where the, they are open later, but our theater closes early, like um, – during non-holiday times, when it's not like the kids are in school, that kind of thing, our mall movie theater stops showing movies at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock is the late show until Friday and Saturday. So that at some point, they started being allowed to show the next night's big movies at Thursday night at 7. So it works wow. out really well for me. So I will be going Thursday night to see 
one of these movies, but I'm going to list the three. Now, there's one that I have no interest in whatsoever, one that I really want to see but have very low expectations that our mall will get, and then one I know everyone's going to have, and I am very torn as to whether it'll be good or not. And we've already talked about it at least once on the uh, Top 5 Movie Podcast, but we'll get into that momentarily. Um, this weekend, uh, on the 20th, Triple X 3, Return of Xander Cage, comes out, and oh my god... Please stop, Vin Diesel. Um, I, I cannot understand how we're supposed to buy a 50-year-old, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, he's in his 50s, on a skateboard, um, trying to be a James Bond extreme sports junkie. Um, it looks as bad as the first one looked, and I never saw. I got to be fair. I've never seen it. However, don't really feel bad about that. Um you know, they did a spin-off sequel with Ice Cube playing the role of Triple X. Uh, not the same person, just, like, filling in, like, the 007 type of thing. And, um, which, I guess, James Bond is always the same person, but I'm just saying, like, we know that there's different actors that play 007. And now uh, Xander Cage is back, for some reason, like, 10 years later, I think, since the last Triple X movie. So I have no idea why. I don't know. Samuel Jackson's still in this. I, I don't know. I don't blame him for taking jobs, because that's how you make money. But at the same time... You know, you can turn down a script once in a while, Mr. Jackson. Um, it, it looks ridiculous. Have you seen this trailer, Corey? Um, I... Um, <laughs> no, I've avoided it on purpose. Well, it's a, it's in the front of every movie that I've seen recently, and every time I wrote my eyes... Last night, I was... Uh, when I saw... Or the other night, when I saw Patriot's Day, um, I was treated to a double whammy of, of eye vomit as... No. Um, Triple X was on, and then The Fate of the Furious came on immediately after, so I got to see Vin Diesel twice. Um, Unfortunately, I have seen that one. Yeah. I am not a fan of the Fast the Fast franchise. Um, I Again, I watched the first three, um, and I liked the first one when, it, when I was a kid. Like, it, when it came out, I think I was in high school when it came out, or I was just in college, and I enjoyed the ridiculousness of the first one. I didn't like the second one. The third one I really didn't like, and I watched that one on, like, basic cable um, and then I have not seen any of the rest of them in their entirety, and I don't want to. Um, but, you know, I know that it's got a huge fan base. Uh, Furious 7 is in the top five movies, um, domestic grossing of all time. Uh, it is, like, behind, you know, Star Wars Episode 7, uh, Avatar, Titanic, Avengers, I think, Ew. and then Furious 7, if I'm not mistaken. I might be off by two or three, but it's in the ballpark. Um, so obviously it's a successful franchise. I understand why they keep going, but man, I don't understand why. No. So that's the bad movie. That's the one I'm not looking forward to. And I'm sure that it's going to do okay. Um, but the one that I'm, I really want to come nearby and I don't think it's going to is the founder. You know what that is, Corey? No. Okay. Maybe. The founder oh! stars oh, Michael Keaton. No, it's fine. Um, the founder stars Michael Keaton. Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch, um, and it's the story of the corporation formation of McDonald's, where Ray Kroc, who's played by Michael Keaton, uh, meets the McDonald's brothers and attempts to buy the business to make it a franchise, and supposedly showcases how awful of a human being Ray Kroc was, and how manipulative, and uh, basically he's the reason that McDonald's is the way it is, um, and I'm, I, I'm very excited about the cast, it's got fairly good reviews, not uh, amazing reviews, but good, um, on the bright side of things. Uh, BJ Novak's also a part of it. Laura Dern. I mean, there's some big Patrick names. Patrick Wilson. Um, yes, which who I'm a fan of for sure. And uh, yeah, I really hope it shows up somewhere nearby. 
Um, it's one I really want to see. Uh, but that's the the questionable one. That's the one I don't know if we're going to get. And the last movie, and the biggest, I think, of the three that come out on the 20th, the one that's been getting a lot of hype, is Split from the new M. Night Shyamalan movie starring um, uh, James McAvoy and then a bunch of people whose names I do not know at all. Um, yeah, at all. I mean, there's some familiar-looking faces. Dude from Orange is the New Black is in there. Um, yep, I don't know any of these other people, but McAvoy's yeah. awesome, so... Um, mm -hmm. this one, I believe, uh, Mike on the top five said is one of his, I think this is the one he was the most worried about because of Shyamalan's ability to, um, overdo the twist or, you know, just pick bad scripts like After Earth and Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, just The Last Airbender. Um, are you, uh, planning on seeing Split, Corey? I'm apprehensive. Um, I might check it out, but there are some other movies that I'm hoping come close that i would see before i would probably see that one well i will see split thursday night um most likely with my daughter i have low expectations um because i don't i don't particularly like Shyamalan anymore i'm a huge fan of uh, six sense unbreakable is actually my favorite Shyamalan film and i like the village um i do too I do not like uh, Signs, which a lot of people do enjoy. I, I find that movie absolutely repulsive um, wow. in, in almost every way as the the plot device of, and spoiler if you haven't seen it, the uh, the water um, being the, uh, the one thing that the aliens are easily damaged by, considering they came to a planet that is covered in water, feel like they're pretty dumb. Um, and then uh, it's just full of like forced religious um, connotations and not connotations, metaphors. And it's just, uh, I don't like it. And then, of course, then we get Lady in the Water and The Happening um, and the other movies I already mentioned and uh, The Visit, which wasn't horrible. But I didn't. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I could not get past the kid rapping. Um, that was dumb. Really but hated I felt that. like that was kind of too. He's supposed to be the obnoxious younger brother. I definitely feel like that helped, you know, paint that. True. It doesn't make, like, I'm not faulting Shyamalan for it. And I'm not, that's a taste thing for me, for sure. I, it made me dislike the movie a lot, though. I did, I don't. Wow. It wasn't exclusively that. There is some other stuff that I, I don't know. But, I mean, um, there were, like, and some logic, like Mike brought up on the top five podcasts, even uh, of, the mom sending her kids to meet her parents, having never shown them a single picture of what they look like, seems unlikely at, at the very least. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that that stuff, those little big, uh, those are big plot holes. Um, yeah, it, it's fine. It wasn't a bad, it wasn't like the worst, it's definitely not the worst Shyamalan movie, and it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Just didn't care for it um, like some other people did. And that uh, leads us to Split, where... We have McAvoy. We have personalities. Um, some very interesting interpretations of personality disorder that they can become so real that they manifest in a physical way. Um, like because they're—that's what I'm worried. Because Shyamalan's famous for his twist, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, mm. I mean, they're not necessarily good, but that's what got him yeah. famous. Um, Sixth Sense. Every, every movie has some twist. Even The Happening supposedly has a twist, although I, I didn't feel like it was... Again, I, I saw it way late, so maybe it, I just had too much I, information going in, so the twist was obvious to me. But um, 
Split's twist seems pretty clear in the trailer that he's going to turn into a beast, which wouldn't be a twist based on the trailer because if you listen, she tells the 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 therapist says he can manifest things. Um, we're told that the beast is coming, and then you see his body contorting, but not in a. He still resembles a human that we see, but the. I would say if there's going to be a huge twist, is he does turn into a beast. I don't know what other twist. I, 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 to me, that's he's setting that up so that shouldn't be the twist. There should be something else. It could just be though that we had bad people cutting the trailers and they included the twist into the trailer, because um, usually directors don't have much say in the marketing. So, who knows? But uh, I did not know that. Yeah, I am going. Well, sometimes it depends on the director, but given. I, I wouldn't think he has a whole lot of pull right now. Um, he has not made money in a while from his films. So I'm guessing he's just, you know, please give me a chance. And the reviews, again, I think on Split are looking pretty positive so far. Um, yeah, 75 on Metacritic, but only eight critic reviews. So being real, it's not it's not bad, but it's not, you know, it's not a whole lot to go on. But 75 is um, really high, so... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, I was looking into the other people that are in that movie, and Anya Taylor-Joy, she, I forget the name, her name, but she was in The Witch. She was like... Yes, that's the the girl who looks familiar. I didn't place where she was from, but that now that you say that, I completely see it. Um, she was good in The Witch. I, I didn't like The Witch, but she was definitely I good in it. didn't understand, like... I didn't think it was a horrible movie. It was not as good as I was expecting, but I don't understand. So many people <laughs> worship that movie, but and I still don't understand that. I've heard on several year-end uh, recaps this movie get brought up. Um, I I feel bad when there's that much of a consensus amongst critics, and I don't get it. I don't see what... Like, it's beautifully shot. The production value is very strong. And I'm definitely a very story-heavy critic. When I review a film, I am going to currently, I would say, I live or die by the story. If the story doesn't work for me or if I don't like the story, it's going to negatively impact my feelings for the movie more so than anything else. I do give, you know, I look at technical things and I look at that stuff, but my ultimate final opinion of do I like this movie and would I recommend other people seeing it, it's going to rely heavy on did the story work for me? And the witch story, particularly the ending, did not work for me. Um, and I did have issues that some are maybe personal. Like I had issues understanding some of the the, the accents um, where I, I honestly couldn't tell what the father was saying half of the time. And um, that's damaging to the story when I, if I'm like, wait, was that exposition? I don't know what he just said. So I don't know for sure what I should have taken away from that moment. But all right, that's split. Uh, and starring the girl from Witch, uh, The Witch, um, and James McAvoy, who I am a fan of. So I'm, I'm hoping it's good. And again, it's got positive reviews so far. But wide release on Friday the 20th. Um, if you see any of those movies, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter or at Burke Reviews. And most importantly, um, we'll at the end of this podcast, we'll tell you what movie we're going to watch next week, if Corey has picked one. And... Um, uh, <laughs> um the the goal is that you watch it before we record the podcast and you send us your comments on the movie we're watching next week um, so that we can include you in the, the episode. So this was our second episode, so we have nothing yet to read, um, but we went to a movie that I've seen once um, and 
Corey had never seen, and we're doing John Wick this week. So we'll get into our review of John Wick. So, Corey, I want to get first impressions from you, um, since you had never seen this film, and I, you are kind of a Keanu Reeves fan, right? Um, I don't think he's the best the best actor. Um, so there are movies that I've skipped out on because he was in them. Hmm. But not yeah. not one where he has a British accent. Stop. <laughs> I still love that movie. I don't care. Everyone harasses me about it, and I still love it. And what is he referencing? Bram Stoker's Dracula. Do I love it? Yes, I do. So, it's, but he is the weakest link. Okay, I know that. Definitely. Um, and, you know what? A fairly crazy Francis Ford Coppola, I would say at that point, um, who makes some very weird decisions about that film. Um, some very cool ones. There's definitely some cool stuff in that movie. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of weird stuff in that movie too. Um, particularly casting Keanu Reeves to do a British accent, and your girl Winona Ryder's accent comes and goes a little bit too. But it's true. I still love her. <laughs> um. All right. So John Wick. Uh, first viewing. A mediocre fan of Keanu Reeves at, at best. Corey is. Um. What are your thoughts of John Wick? I. I was afraid I wasn't going to enjoy it. Um, I'm not necessarily an action movie fan. Um, and then also Keanu. Um, but I actually liked it a lot more than I was expecting. I was kind of engrossed the whole time. So that was good. And um, if you're not familiar with the movie John Wick, uh, came out in 2014, um, starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, you have a lo- You have some... Fairly great actors in it. Um, uh, man, William Defoe being one that I want to bring up right away, as I really like Defoe's character in this movie. Um, but uh, Michael Ninquist, Alfie Aiden, um, Allen, Alfie Allen, oops, um, who is also famous from Game of Thrones. Um, Adrian Palicki, uh, Palacki, I'm not sure how to say it. Um, she is uh, from G.I. Joe. Exciting. Um, and. Yeah. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo has a very small part, but awesome when he's there. Ian McShane um, and Lance Reddick, who's in a bunch of stuff. Um, I am uh, a, a pretty big fan of this movie. Again, I've, I've only watched it twice now. Um, the first time was definitely better, I think, than the second viewing, um, mainly because the story is straightforward on the surface there's there's stuff that we can, we're going to get into in a little bit that goes a little deeper with what the story's all about but um just in case you're not familiar uh before we say anything else uh spoilers because this is again the expectation is you've watched this movie with us or you know going in that this is a full review and commentary on our experience watching the movie what we liked what we didn't and um john wick uh his the movie opens and um we we see him apparently about to die um, he looks like he is going to die, and uh, it's the the movie begins at the end, um, and it goes from there. Uh, we go back to the beginning, and we see that his wife has recently passed away, um, and um, it's clearly been uh, a, a long struggle with her uh, her illness, which I don't believe they ever say, but it's assumed cancer. Um, would you agree? I feel like that is yeah, and that's pretty a safe bet. fairly common thing now in films. If a character is going to have a, a long, drawn-out death, it's going to have been from cancer. 
Um, and she passes away, and it's it's he's sad. Um, he sees William Defoe at the funeral, and uh, before he can even begin to figure out what to do next, um, he gets a delivery of a puppy, and his wife has sent him from from beyond essentially um she you know planned this so that he would have a way of you know finding a way to grieve and it's a very cute little beagle and he is uh it's it's a great little moment when he's first with the dog because he's trying to you know he tells the dog to lay on the floor but then he ends up letting the dog come in the bed or whatever um and the next day we see him with the dog and he goes out for a ride and uh he has a run-in with um alfie allen and um there's a, a weird exchange where he tries to buy the car from uh, John Wicks. He's driving a 69 Mustang, if I'm not mistaken. And um, then we see uh, John go do some stunt driving and apparently consider killing himself. Did you catch that? Um, yes. Because he, he goes headfirst towards a big truck and stops seconds before hitting it um, and goes home. And apparently decides to, you know, I'm going to give life a chance with my, my new puppy, Daisy. What happens next, Corey? I don't want to talk about it. Um, okay. Um, I might get this in a little. Okay. So um, he is sleeping and I think that the dog wakes up or something. Mm-hmm. There's a rustling in the house and he goes downstairs and these three guys are in his home and it ends up being um Alfie Allen's character Yosef. He's essentially come to beat the crap out of him, steal his car, and kill his dog. Yeah. Now he's not there to kill the dog, but Oh yeah. They're bad guys and so they kill the dog in a um very sad type of way. And uh what makes it more sad um is it's hard it, it appears that the dog scooted over to him to john who is unconscious on the ground because there's a trail of blood that appears to be on the dog side as though the dog in its last effort wanted to be near john which is so freaking sad um and it's a puppy so it's even more sad um and i knew that was gonna bother you am i right yeah i wasn't very happy (laughs) um which um i was you know when i saw the movie i was like really shocked because in the trailers, they implied that the wife died and then he goes back after these guys. And, you you know, you just assume that's what it's going to be. And I do really like the choice that it's not the wife's death. The wife's death is just a part of life. That's what happens. And um, there's a really great YouTube analysis uh, by, from Mikey. I'm going to forget his last name, but it's Movies with Mikey is the uh, the web series on the uh, Chainsaw Original uh, channel, I believe. And um, he points that out, too. Sorry, Chainsaw Suit Originals. Okay, Chainsaw Suit Originals. There you go. Um, and he points that out about the wife's death being just a part of life and that John, you know, is really confused because of that because he's left a life of where he was taking lives on a regular basis to be with her. And um, now he loses her and not at the fault of his old life. It's just, it just happens. Uh, no one to blame, no one to kill for it. Um but now the dog that was given to him by his dead wife has been taken from him by these three a-holes who apparently just really wanted his car. So John Wick uh, comes out of retirement. And from this point, we're going to stop going through plot. We're going to assume that you've watched the movie. But I wanted to set up the, the opening because it's 
um, there's a lot of emotional stuff that happens in a very short period of time that I really felt um, made me love John Wick as a character. Um, what do you think, Corey? Are you a fan of Mr. Wick as a character? You got me, yeah. Um, I there were a lot of things that kind of intrigued, you know, intrigued me, but I. I don't know if we're going to go talk about this later, but um, I appreciated that he like left all of that behind. I was a little confused because uh, weren't they only together for four years? I have no idea um, the length of time they were together. Um, but I mean, why is it? Uh, is four years not long enough? Is this, are we going back to the castaway thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it, it seems like, she was sick for a long time, so it's like mm. you wonder how long they were together with her actually healthy and, I guess, thriving. I don't know how to yeah. explain it. It's it's hard but... to tell um, how long she was sick. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it definitely, we know she just died when we joined him. That's clear because um, we see him at the funeral. Uh, he's getting ready for the funeral when we when he wakes up in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's it's I I don't know how long she was sick. Um, but I don't know that it matters because he clearly he loved her enough to walk away from a life that not only was apparently he like the best at. Um, so like, you know, it'd be the equivalent of a you know rock star, you know, stop touring because he met a woman like that's what you know John Wick walked away. Now, granted, maybe his life wasn't so glorious, but he was the best at it. And we see signs of that in this film. Um, and as great as he ends up being in this film, there is even he, a few times where he's like, I must be rusty. And you're just like, are you serious? Because you just killed like 50 people. But um, yeah, uh, in fact, I think what we should go ahead and jump into is my favorite part of John Wick. Um, aside from the awesome action sequences, which are um, very gritty and very real, like they, they feel so visceral. Um, I love that it's. It, I don't love people dying. Don't don't mistake my words here. But when it's an action movie, there's going to be people who die, and how they die in the film can depend on if it's entertaining or not. Like if you look at The Matrix, um, which was another Keanu Reeves film that I was a huge fan of, still still listed as one of my top five movies um, ever. Um, he that that movie's they use a lot of slow motion, and and everything is really. Um, well crafted and it, there's almost a distance to most of it and then the martial arts fight sequences in the in the matrix are are still very movie like they feel like a movie like people don't fight that fluidly and cleanly and they don't block every single hit um they don't walk away unscathed uh and this movie man every move seems so visceral and grounded in reality um the way he'll he'll shoot someone in the leg to give himself a moment to kill this other guy and then come back and finish off this other guy who he just wounded. Like it's so strategic and well thought out and it feels grounded in reality so much more than most other action fight movies. Um, and it's something I really, I think was drawn into the first time and the second time um, watching this movie. Yes. <laughs> um, something that I, Sorry, going back to him and what I found interesting about his character is even though he was like this hitman, he still hadn't he still followed the rules and he still mm. had, you know, a sense of integrity. He kind of did what he was I don't want to say supposed to do, but he did. Yeah. Um going cuz I'm forgetting the name of the hotel that the is like 
the Continental, yep. and I'm forgetting the name of the guy who owns it, but it's supposed to be, like, peaceful. There shouldn't be any hits there, shouldn't be any fighting, everyone should be able to come and go, and he follows that, you know, and he has chances, so many chances to be away with char- other characters in the film, and he doesn't give in to that. Yeah, and um, since you brought up the hotel, and that's actually where I wanted to go anyways, my favorite part of John Wick is also one of my favorite parts of Mad Max Fury Road, and that is the epic world building that exists in a very natural way where we get references to things that exist in the world of the film that we don't get any crazy exposition, we don't get backstory, we don't see flashbacks to make us understand things. We just have to accept it, Um, like the gold coins. Um, when when John Wick uh, first decides that he's back and he's going to hunt down the guy who killed his dog, he uh, unburies his um, weapons and this big wooden crate. Um, and when when he first opens it, there's a bunch of gold coins, like mass amounts of gold coins, which we basically learn is a form of currency in this underground world of the hitmen. And um, we see uh, we meet. Um, what's his name? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Jimmy. Nope. That's not it. Where is it? Uh, Charlie. Charlie and the cleanup crew um, we meet after uh, the first wave of mobsters show up at Wick's house to kill him and he uh, basically takes them out one at a time in a very awesome fight sequence that is very dark but yet very brutal. Um, And then he calls, uh, he makes a phone call and says dinner reservations for 12. I thought that was so great. It's so great, the little code word. Um, and then we get a guy named Charlie shows up. Uh, we get an illusion that they've worked together before. He's like, hey, good to see you, John. Um, and we see them go to work, and they're experts. They quickly and, and efficiently clean up the blood and the bodies, and everything's t- cleaned up, and uh, he hands them 12 coins, 12 gold, gold coins. So we quickly learn something special about these coins. Um, this is the, the cost of doing business in this world. We don't get any kind of explanation. They never d- explain how you first get the coins. Um or, you know, we assume John Wick must have got a coin for every kill, but we don't know the equi- equivalence of actual money to those coins or if they're just used for favors. We get nothing, just this intriguing premise. Um, and the fact that there's so many gold coins that he has in his possession tells us how awesome he really was at this job. And I love that. I love that so much. Mad Max also did things like that with references to the other cities where we see the leaders of those cities, but we don't get to see the cities themselves. Gun City and Gas City, I believe, are the two cities in Fury Road. And I I love that. Um, It makes me want to know more, and it makes me want to spend more time in this world. Like, I'd love to see a prequel, but at the same time, I don't want a prequel. I just want to have my imagination of what this world is. Um, what did you think about all of those things? And of course, we'll get more into the Continental in a minute, but we'll stop there and, and discuss the world of John Wick. I also was very intrigued by the coins. Um, again, with Charlie and the cleanup crew, I love that he he works for everyone, it mm-hmm. seemed like. So again, it was kind of like that neutral ground. Um, I found I found all of that really interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of all of the difference. Hmm. Well, we have the Continental, um, and we have yeah. uh, at the Continental, um, there's a club downstairs that is a gold coin in the slot to be able to gain access to um, that uh, Wick meets um, Winston, who I believe is you referred to earlier as the owner of the club or the the hotel, the Continental. 
who sets up all the rules. And if we were to listen to movies with Mikey, um, he makes a very interesting comparison to Greek mythology and John Wick, where Winston would be the Zeus character. Um, and with that, now that's Mikey's interpretation, not necessarily what the director intended. However, the hotel manager um, is named Karen, C-H-A-R-O-N, or pronounced uh, Sharon, who is the ferryman for Hades in the Greek mythology. And do you know what his payment was to have you cross the river Styx? No. A gold oh. coin. Um, mm. And so that's why uh, in traditional burials, the gold coins were placed over the eyes nice. so they could pay for their uh, admission into the afterworld, the underworld, um, the afterlife underworld. And um, that little nod in the IMDb credit listing makes me wonder if Mikey's on to something, that there was intentional uh, Greek mythology references um, in this film. And uh, there's definitely room for that. Um, I, I, you know, you have Vigo, the villain, um, played by Michael Ninquist. Um, villain's a, a harsh word. He's the leader of the the mafia and um, uh, Yosef's father. Um, and a former employer of Wick, who now is torn because uh, he knows his son screwed up, right? Like I like that when when he first finds out that his son killed John Wick's dog, um, which oh. he finds out by John Leguizamo, and he punches him in the stomach, and he throws up the vodka that he had just drank. <laughs> that mm. part's brutal. Um, and uh, we we learn instantly he's not happy with his son, but it's his son, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's got to protect him, and uh, he informs... We get the whole backstory of John Wick being called the Boogeyman, um, and that's where what he'll be referred to for most of the film from this point forward as the Boogeyman. Um, and he even goes as far as to say he, he's the guy who kills the Boogeyman, like he's that big of a badass, that he's not just the Boogeyman. He's the guy who would take out the Boogeyman. Um, and I like Vigo a lot in this film. I think he's a really great antagonist. Um, his motivations are clear. Um, he has to protect his son, and so, you know, sets out to get John Wick killed, puts a hit on him, and nothing's working, because John Wick is awesome. I keep giving you moments to jump in there, Corey. I know, I'm like, I feel like I just can't speak to this as well as you can. Um, I, I think, so something I was thinking the whole time I was watching this film, is at any point, Yosef, it was all a big power trip for him and I know it's because of who his father was that he was t stealing this car because mm. let's be real, they have enough money that he could find one oh, yeah. himself and go buy it. So it's just like that huge amount of, um, he's pompous. You know what Definitely. I mean? He just yeah. didn't know who he was messing with. And it's just so, so nuts and to me. That That's part of the problem too, is there, there is this, um, when they first have their exchange and he, he talks shit in Russian, I think, um, and Wick responds in Russian. Oh, at um, the gas station? Yeah, and Yosef uh, clearly feels, um, like, disrespected, I guess. He shouldn't, mind you, as he was being the one, who was the one who was disrespectful, but he's definitely that punk kid who feels like his reputation's been uh, tarnished in front of his boys, and he has to do something about it, and so they go in to get rid of Wick, but... Um, from that point, we get some amazing action sequences. Um, my favorite is, I think, the uh, when he gets Yosef in the club, um, just because it's so insane. Like, there's so many moments where it looks like Wick is going to be in trouble, and the way he gets out of it, it always makes sense. It always flows logically. 
um, given the world, mind you, not like in the real life, but in terms of what we know of the film, um, everything he does makes perfect sense to me, and uh, it's just so compelling to watch the the gun fu as it has been dubbed multiple times. I've heard you know Doug Benson refer to it, Mikey Ninquist, um, not Mikey Ninquist, whatever his last Newman, Mikey Newman. I remembered his last name. Um, all those uh, things. Um, and I like the use of color in this film. I oh. know that it's. I talk. I say that, but um, the pinks and the blues a lot when he's first going. Is that part of the club where Yosef is in the pool? Yeah, yeah, that's part of the club. Okay, and then again, like you already mentioned this, but his strategy and how long he gets away with not being like seen is kind of mm-hmm. amazing too. Um, when they're like checking all the spots to see if anybody's seen him. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, he's so great. Um, like that whole sequence, how he, how he pursues, uh, Yosef. Um, and I, I love too with this action movie, there's no, there's no cheese. You don't get one liners. Um, he, he's a, he's no. purposeful. He has a singular focus and you see that in his mannerisms and his character and when he finally gets a chance for Yosef, remember there's spoilers in this, uh, guys, um, he doesn't have a conversation. He doesn't let Yosef run his mouth. He walks up, shoots him, shoots him again, and then leaves. Done. And I love that. I love how matter-of-fact it is. There's no, um, well, you killed my dog, or, or, like, you know, take that one. There's no, It's just boom, boom, gone, done. He already knows. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. It, it's so These perfect. These are your consequences. Um, and that's where William Defoe's character uh, gets his big moment. Really, he's had a few moments. He's uh, saved John Wick at least twice um, through sniper shots. So purposely, I don't know um, when he uh, Perkins is a, is sneaking into Wick's room to kill him. It looks like his friend, John Wick's friend of um, I'm forgetting Defoe's character's name. Uh, well, Marcus. Marcus. Um, Marcus oh. is trying to kill him because Marcus has promised a big reward if he kills Wick, and we see the sniper line up, and then miss his shot. But he misses his shot to warn John that Perkins is in the room, not to he's not a bad shot. He could have killed Wick right then, no question. Um, and I love that about Defoe's character because he is kind of playing um, to both sides. You know, he's clearly on John's side, but he's not letting Vigo know that. Um, and that's where the the second part kind of kicks in, right? Um, it looks like Wick is one. He's got um, Yosef dead, and now Vigo decides he's going to punish Marcus for helping John Wick. Yes, and I'm forgetting why it wasn't Adrian there as well. Adrian is the girl, Perkins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's the uh, the rat, if you will. She tells Vigo that Marcus is helping Wick. Um, and so yeah, Perkins is all about the money. She doesn't care about loyalty or the rules, which we saw as she tried to kill um, Wick in the Continental, which is a huge violation of the rules, and um, she'll later be punished for. Um, so Perkins betrays um, everybody, everything, the Continental, the whole system, and uh, later Winston will punish her for that. Um, and yet, though, Marcus still gets um, unfairly taken out, and that sets Wick off on Vigo. 
Yes. Um, I'm trying to... Sorry, I can't think of words. Um, yeah, and that I was kind of interested in why he was helping, why Marcus was really helping John Wick. Mm. I feel like, I don't know. Well, there... There's definitely some allusions to their friendship. The fact that um, he went to the funeral before Wick had any reason to see him again because they had not been in contact. Um, mm-hmm. And so they definitely have a history. Again, more of the world building. We don't know why we just know that they are friends from the past um and enough that he cared to come see him at the funeral like other people know that wick's wife died we hear vigo apologize right away or my condolences but no one else went out of their way to see john only only marcus so um vigo going after marcus he knew wick would care um too (laughs) there's no question because he he wants wick to know that i'm killing marcus and then uh, Winston intervenes and tells Wick how to find uh, Vigo and where Vigo's heading. And then we get that awesome finale, uh, you know, man versus man, Wick versus Vigo, um, fisticuffs, no guns. And it's pretty brutal. I also enjoyed, though, backtracking a little bit. I think this, yeah, is before that scene where Miss um, Perkins gets her just mm. desserts. Yep. Winston and the group from the, the hotel uh, all line up, line her up and shoot her like a whole lot. Like I think it's like six people shoot her at once. Um, so she's mm-hmm. definitely dead. Uh, no, she should not be in John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2. Um, in fact, the only person who really should be is the Continental. I'm hoping to, that we get to go back to the hotel. Um, John Wick. And that's it. Because pretty much everyone else we met in this movie dies. And his new dog. Now, yes, the new dog, which I had completely forgotten about, the new dog. John, didn't he break into a vet, an animal shelter? It's a vet. It's a vet. I thought it was a vet, and I was like, that must be somebody's dog he's taking. Well, he broke into what appears to be a vet because he needed medical supplies Mm -hmm. um, quickly. Like, he he could go back to the hotel, give him a coin, and get patched up, which I love that, too, in the earlier part of the film when he first gets stabbed, and he has the, uh, the doctor sent to the room. And um, the doctor gives him some pill that he's like, he's like, you'll be able to move oh. completely with this. However, it's going to rip open the stitches. Yes. I love, um, what is the name of the guy at the front desk too? The part where he asks if there's any, if anyone the laundry? in laundry yeah. can How good get is your the laundry? stains out of his shirt. Yeah. Like nobody's that good. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the puppy that he gets at the end, uh, probably somebody else's, like you said, um, I had forgotten that moment. And so in the trailer for the new movie, you see him with the dog. I was like, oh, he got a new dog. But I was like, when I was watching it the second time, I was like, oh, he got the new dog here. And I should have known that, but I completely blanked on it. Um, But yeah, so uh, that's pretty much John Wick. Um, I love the movie. I I give it the not quite golden pony boy rating um, as a film, as a overall film, but as an action movie, I give it a must see. If you're a fan of action films, uh, John Wick is a must. It, it is a great action movie with a solid plot, with really interesting world building and some amazing action sequences, um, particularly fighting. Although there is at least technically one car chase, it's not the best car chase, but it's fine. Um, Corey, what do you what about you? What do you think? I would also give it not quite Golden Boy, just as a movie because I don't watch a lot of action films to really compare it to. Got it. Um, now I. Did you end up watching the whole uh, movie with Mikey analysis? 
I did. I had to watch it in two separate days just because I've been kind of busy. But um, I thought it was really interesting. And apparently I need to brush up on my Greek mythology. But that is an area I am very versed in um, Greek mythology. And um, I, I like a lot of his uh, points that he makes with that. Um, but I, I really do love the the story that he tells about the film as a whole. Like the, this is a new director with um, who was a former stuntman for Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Um with another stuntman as a shadow director and producer with a new writer who hasn't done much before this. Uh, and you get this really great action film that's very gritty and, uh, you know, and the commitment from everyone involved, especially Keanu Reeves, um, four solid months of jujitsu training and weapons training um, and does all of his own stunts in this film. Um, it's, it's fantastic for those reasons alone. And I cannot wait for John Wick two chapter two, um, partly because of, of, my love for the character already but also because Lawrence Fishburne is in this next movie oh my gosh so it's a reunion of the Matrix and that makes me happy so Neo and Morpheus back together again um yeah I, I'm very excited do you think maybe now after seeing this movie you would consider seeing John Wick 2 in the theater oh yeah definitely okay we've already talked about it so right. oh and you said uh your husband watched this with you as well right yes and he doesn't watch as many movies as I do. Um, so it, the things that he'll see in a film is anyways, he's a totally separate person. So that would happen anyhow. But um, the things that he'll notice in a movie, I don't necessarily notice myself. So he was like saying how I was like, I had so many questions. I was like, why is he doing this? Why is this happening? And he's like, they're going to tell you later. And he's like, I like how they're not telling you anything. It's that the actions are the story pretty much yeah and i hadn't i hadn't i hadn't really put that together but um i thought that was an interesting thing for him yeah. to point out to me and i do have so much more respect for keanu just that he worked so hard to do all mm -hmm. of this in the film yeah i mean he's still keanu so he's still gonna do some some line reads that are a little funny or odd like when um he's in the church and he's like people keep asking me if i'm back and i haven't known what to say but I'm guessing I'm back, and it's like, it's like you're yeah. still handcuffed, and he had no plan. Like he says that, and then he's basically dead if Marcus is not helping him. Like he had no plan. He he went. It was very like powerfully delivered. Like I'm gonna get you, and you're almost expecting him to like rip off the flex cuffs, but he doesn't. He just starts to die as a plastic bag is shoved over his head, um, and then Ugh. he's rescued by Defoe uh, or Marcus. Um, and if Marcus isn't there, that's the end of John Wick, and he's no longer back. So, you know, it's definitely deus ex machina um, for sure, and that's fine. It's an action movie. There's going to be little moments like that where uh, we rely on uh, someone else to help. And given they set that up, Marcus had been a sniper. We'd already seen him watching John. So it, it makes sense that it happens there, even if it is still very convenient because he waits till the very last second to help John. He could have just shot Vigo. And he would be alive still. Like, there's so many ways this movie could have, you know, veered. But it's mm -hmm. okay. It's a really great action movie. Um, and it's an intelligent action movie. And it's a film. I don't even like calling it a movie. Because a lot of times when I say movie, I'm, I'm speaking as though it's missing cinematic elements. It's not doing visual storytelling. This movie does. Um, it does most of it visually. Even the backstory with the wife, we see things happen. We don't just get a long speech where he's just like, My wife has had cancer for four months and now she's dead. Like, no, we see it. We see the backstory through a series of, of short clips, um, and we see him 
acting. We see him emoting as, or maybe, you know, being sad and he's sullen and whatever. But there's a lot of that. And I'm glad Bill picked up on that because it's definitely one of the things that make this film stand out against a lot of shittier um, action movies. So, And if there were more that were this good, I'd probably be a little, a m- little more willing to delve deeper into the genre. But... I did. The only thing I have to say this is somebody needs to help them out with their soundtrack because, really, Marilyn Manson. Please. I really liked that song in this movie. <laughs> I, I hated the soundtrack, and I was just like, "Is this real? Like, well, I can't even handle this right now." That's the only I'm song. Like, <laughs> that's the only I song can't. I remember hearing. They play it at least four times in this movie, and it's uh, the song's called "Killing Strangers" by Marilyn Manson, and I really like it. Um. It's the type of Manson song that I do like where he's got his little growly thing going on. It's, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I thought the lyrics really fit the movie um, really well. Like, I'm killing strangers so we don't kill the ones we love. I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, he's, he's taking everybody out. He's killing a lot of people. A lot that's of people true. die in this movie. That's true. Um, so I, I thought it was a good choice for that. And I thought the uh, intensity of the song fit the the, the tone of the film. Um but they did use it a lot. And I don't remember what other songs were in the film. That's the only one I remembered. Um, but I did, it's, I've written my my notebook as, uh, I really like this song. I really, I think it works really well in this movie. But I can also understand why someone doesn't like this song because I'm not a huge Marilyn Manson fan. Um, but this particular one worked for me and it worked, I think, in the context of the film um, if you can get past the sound of it. So <laughs> if you don't like the yeah, song. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, okay. But but I see your point, though, because, it, it, again, it's rare for one song to be used so frequently. I mean, it's almost a uh, like a theme song for John Wick at that point, um, and that's unusual. So you Watch could, it show up uh, in Chapter 2. It may. It may, because, again, it does fit the oh, tone no. of the film um, you know, a lot, even the aggressiveness of it, because there is, like, a... There's a sad anger in the song to me, you know, like, and that's kind of John Wick's, like, emotion through the film is he's beyond sad and now it's become anger because you know someone took away his one thing that was giving him a little bit of joy and hope in the world and he is he's pissed and i you know i feel like that's in the song too because manson has a there's always been like a sadness about manson's music to me like not a sad like the cure sad um but well that's not a bad thing right the cure is notoriously sad right they're like sad rock isn't that their thing not really, but we'll I mean, go with it. It's it sounds happy, but like the lyrics are generally sad. That's that's true. Okay, <laughs> it, it is. But when people say sad, you just think that overall the whole thing is sad. But the music is not sad, it, which is I think interesting. I it is. Everybody knows they're my favorite band, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I felt like Manson in this particular song kind of worked with that. It's like he's he's clearly mad, but it's not like mad. Um, for no reason like there's an emotion behind the anger in the tone of the music and the tone of the the singing that I really think works again in this context um, but again it is it's still weird to have a song play so many times um, especially a song with lyrics but uh, again lyrics that fit the movie pretty yeah. spot on so you know there you go but John Wick uh, that was our movie for this week um, both of us enjoyed it. Uh, I like it uh, quite a bit. It's still, I'm very happy I purchased it um, way back when. It's one that I, I recommend anyone who hasn't seen it that they must watch it immediately because it is that good. Um, and I cannot wait for the sequel 
John Wick Chapter 2. I hope it does not tarnish this movie. Um, I hope that it expands on and only makes me love the world of John Wick even more. Um, now, Corey, we have to let our listeners know what we're going to watch next week, and it's your turn to pick the movie. Do you have any well, ideas? Yes. Um, let's, if you're down last days in the desert. Oh, that's what you sent me earlier. Okay. I didn't know what that was when you texted me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, sorry. I'm all like, try not to, we need to learn sign language. I guess. <laughs> but I think that that ah. will be my pick. Cause I am pretty sure we are both interested in that one. I do want to see that. Now we'll just have to figure out how the best way to get it. Um, but yes, perfect. So next week we'll be watching the last days in the desert. That is the Ewan McGregor film um, from 20... It's listed as 2015, although I feel like it got a wide release in 2016. No, That's... apparently it's... Wow, it's uh, two years what? old. January 25th, 2015. Um, I, I just did not hear about it till last year. Um, directed by uh, Rodrigo Garcia. It is available for most things on streaming to rent. Um, it is one that we will be watching over the next week and talking about it next uh, the next episode, episode three of the Burke Reviews Movie Club. Um, so... If you like the podcast, please tell your friends, share it, um, make people listen to it while you drive them around. If you're an Uber driver, that's a really great opinion. If you just put it on loop for us, that would be awesome. Uh, we run the great website, BurkeReviews.com. Um, at the website, you can read reviews written by me, Corey, and our friend Michael Sanchez, and hopefully other writers. We had a guest writer this week, uh, Big Tuna, from I think it's BigTuna.com. Uh, Watches Movies? Big Tuna Watches Movies might be the website. I don't know the URL. There is links. Um, he watched all of the uh, Underworld movies except for Rise of the Lycans in preparation for the newest one, which he also watched. And he has a little uh, paragraph on each uh, of the first three films and then the fifth film. Um, he didn't watch Rise of the Lycans because Kate Beckinsale is not in it, I believe. Or it's yeah, not, and, it's and it's not focused on Celine. It's a prequel. Yes. So he was watching like the, the Celine. Is that, am I right? Is her name Celine? Yeah, it's Celine. Oh, look at me remembering crap from a long time ago. Um, okay. So he watched all of the Celine films, and uh, the new one, he uh, wrote a review for us. All of his full reviews are linked to his site. Um, support him as well. He's a friend of ours and um, a very knowledgeable movie lover. Um, and truth be told, he's a student of mine who I am uh, you know, constantly having to show that I am as knowledgeable as this kid because he is super knowledgeable with film. I don't know that I've ever succeeded, but I'm constantly trying um, to stay at least able to sound like I know what I'm talking about compared to him. Um, hey, A for effort. <laughs> yeah, he is He is an encyclopedia of film knowledge. Um, hopefully he'll be out in the world one day directing and I can say, hey, I taught that kid something. Um, probably not a lot because he seems to know more than me already, but... Uh, he does. He's writing reviews already um, at a very young age, but um, we're we're backing each other up. I'll be posting some stuff on his site as well to try to cross our our listeners. So if you are a, a reader of his site and you're now listening to us, thank you for coming. Um, but check us out on BurkeReviews.com. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at BurkeReviews and Corey is at Corey R Star. Two R's on the end. Tweet at us, please. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think about these movies, and we would love to read some of your tweets or emails on the air uh, when we when we talk about. Um, something about the desert. What's it called again? Last days in the desert. Last days in the desert. I have to. I, it's on my MDB. But um, we'd love to read your thoughts on the film when we talk about our own. Um, especially since Corey keeps finding nothing to say. So I know I'm so horrible. We'll get there. It's only the second episode. Uh, bear with us. Um, we do another podcast together with our friend Michael Sanchez, our uh, um colleague, if you will, and uh, it's called Top Five Movies. 
Um, if you like this at all, uh, please check out our top five list. Every week we pick a new uh, category and we talk about our uh, the three of us each make our own top five list and then we share them for the first time with each other on the podcast and give each other crap or uh, praise each other for the list that we make. Um, it's and all Mike in good time. Strikes. Mike gives lots of strikes. Uh, we've we've been struck out many many times. So, um, and that kind of inspired this podcast because there's a lot of movies that Corey and I have not seen that we want to see, and this makes us because if we don't see it, our podcast is going to have no content. So um, it encourages us to get uh, get on these movies that we've wanted to see. Um, we are going to be expanding into some older films. I think as as we go in, um, there's a lot of classics that I still have not watched. Like I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Um, Seven Samurai. Um, I mean, there's uh, the list goes on with some deep films, and many of them I own. Like I have Gone with the Wind and Seven Samurai sitting right in front of me. Um, have not watched either one yet. Uh, both mainly because of the length, not because I don't think I'll like them. I think I'll love both of them. Just have not gotten to them. And uh, when I was young, I was very jaded towards old movies. So I've learned my mistakes, and I'm trying to rectify all of them. And this podcast, I hope, will uh, clear up some of my gaps in my film viewing history. And obviously, Corey is a fan of Gone with the Wind, as she uh, sh- sounded yes. pretty shocked. Um, but that's it for tonight. Uh, please join us again next week and check out Top 5 Movies. Um, I'm John Burke. and Corey, have a good night. <laughs> have a good night. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>